many different forms. How thankful I am for the loving care of an earthly father and mother who sought to invest in me in my life and then following their lives to give me an inheritance. So kind, so wonderful, so generous on their part. Children are that to us. God's inheritance is giving us this wonderful gift, these wonderful gifts. The second thing it says, it's a reward. The fruit of the womb is your reward. A reward is a benefit from what someone does to honor someone else for what they've done. To turn in a criminal is something that would be, we all should do such things. We shouldn't be saying, I'm doing it for the reward. But a reward is given at times to acknowledge those who have done things that they would have done and so or should have done. And so here we have God giving to us a reward, something that's blessed beyond just ordinary life. The reward is in the children themselves. The children are described in 127 as arrows. I'd like you to think about an arrow. I learned quite a bit about arrows from Brad Bays when he was here. He was extremely interested in archery and uh, my own acquaintance with Daryl Pace, the Olympic gold medal champion in archery who lived in Reading, Ohio, coming to us at Madeira and showing the kids how to shoot arrows. And of course, the attraction was the bow. And he spent quite a bit of time explaining the bow. But he said to the kids, the bow is absolutely no good if you have arrows that are misshapen or the feathers are not fletched correctly. And so the importance of the way an arrow is both designed and processed. This thought of arrows, uh, I want you to know that God has particularly shaped and designed the child that you have or the children that you have, that we have in our homes and the ones that we have here in our fellowship. Let's always remember that. I think of my grandson, Coco. You all know of Coco's handicap, uh, the deformity that he has, radial dysplasia, no bones in his forearms, his wrist coming out directly from the elbow. He's had surgery on those to help correct, but still no extension as far as the arm. The hand is still here. He's just learning to use his thumbs for the first time. He's being teased by the children in the upper grades, not in his class, but when he's out in the playground now, Coco is being mocked and ridiculed for the fact that his body is shaped differently. My little grandson was shaped perfectly by my Heavenly Father and given to us in Nathan and Shauna's family, in our family, and in the wider family of faith for us to love and care for. That is true of every child made particularly by God, that special arrow that he's given to us. An arrow is for a purpose. Uh, Daryl Pace used to say this all the time to the kids. Now, I could stand here with this bow all day long, and I could aim perfectly, and then I could release the string. But ain't nothing going to happen until that arrow gets in the bow and on the string. Arrows are there for a purpose, And dear parents, I just encourage you all, uh, the arrows of your children are there for a purpose. They're to be shot out. 
and they're to be aimed at a target. Real gently, I want to say to all of us that are parents, you're delighted when the child starts to crawl. You're delighted when the child takes its first step. You're delighted when the child starts to run. How wonderful it is when they start to ride a bike for the first time. All of those moves are for them to move away from you. Not for you to hold on to them and to cling to them. But rather, they are an arrow given by God to you, specially designed for you to send out from you so that they might accomplish the things that God has in mind for them in their adult lives. So a real encouragement to us as we think of a child as an arrow, it's to be sent out. And that's a responsibility in our part to send them out, not to hold on to them, not to cling to them, not to dominate their lives, but rather for them to experience the freedom and joy of flight that God has for them and where they're aimed. They're olive shoots, it says in 128. I'd like you to think about the great potential that's in an olive shoot. The olive tree is a wonderful tree. It's there for food. It's there for fuel. It's there for fun, climbing up in the tree. It's there for shade. It's there for soothing. That is the medicine that comes from the olive tree. And it's there for significance, long life. The olive tree is one of the longest living trees that we have in the botany of trees. Their average lifespan is 500 years. And there are olive trees today that are recorded as being 1,500 years long, uh, old. I'd like you to think about the fact that a child has a long and persistent influence and significance. May God bring these children into his family for eternal significance. May God help us to see the significance that's wrapped up in a child. I think of Amram and Jacobed trying to quiet their little three-month-old beautiful baby boy because the consequences of his crying out is his death as the Egyptian guards go through Egypt to drown all the little boys. And then finally, in desperation, Jacobed comes up with the thought of making a small ark and putting it in the Nile. How could they possibly know what's wrapped up in the life of that little three-month-old child at that time? Just in his lifetime alone, to attempt to lead the nation of Israel in a poor way in his first 40 years, to be taken on the backside of a desert for 40 years of instruction, and then finally to come face to face with the living God in the burning bush. And then those last 40 years of leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Who could see the greatness that was involved in that little child's life at three months? It goes beyond that. Here we are, 3,500 years later, discussing baby Moses. No, not baby Moses, adult Moses. No, not adult Moses, the older man Moses, 
And then finally, not just the man himself, but the five books of the Bible that he wrote. It is the foundation of much of the jurisprudence that we have in our Western world today. The commandments that have been written. The accountability by man to someone else. And the importance of Moses compared to any of the pharaohs that were there during his lifetime or any of those that are in Egypt to follow or any other political leader. The importance that's wrapped up in that little life. So we parents, grandparents, we that are here in this family of faith, how do we know what's wrapped up in the life of a little child and the significance that's going to happen in that child's life? It says that a child's like an olive plant. An olive shoot is literally what it says there, just beginning to grow in Psalm 128. Doesn't it tug at your heart today that less than a week old, Nico, Tobiah, Steele has an entire lifetime before him, and who knows what the significance of that life will be and how important and how valuable that little child is. May we be worthy of the responsibility and opportunity we have in the lives of the children we have in our families and here in the family of faith. I'd like you to turn to the back of this sheet, please, and let's look at some of the thoughts for us as an assembly, in the assembly. I want to thank Abe for writing this, for bringing this into summary. Some thoughts for all of us in the assembly. The whole idea behind this family series was that just as we care and pray for our individual families, we need to be on our knees for the others in our local family of God, sensitive to their needs, whether children, singles, married couples, widows, widowers, and others. If you need to know why it is that we're spending several months on the family of God, I hope you'll come back to this statement and see why it's so important to spend time on the family of God. It's been very helpful to me. Then the second point, we would encourage each of the saints in their family times of prayer to pray regularly. Pick one other family or single in the church perhaps one each week, and start praying for them and interacting with them regularly. May God help us to take this opportunity to do just that. On the front side, let's go to question two. Do we delight in our children because of who or whose they are or because of what they do or become? Are we delighting in children in the moment? And I'm going to take the negative of this. Do we sometimes say to our kids, yeah, but you could do better. Yeah, but you could have been better. What's the communication that we give to our children as far as delighting in them? So, I'll now ask the panel. No, um, before I get into a couple of verses, uh, which when 
we were preparing this, uh, these verses uh, came to our mind. Uh, I want to read from Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 17 and 18. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Now, we, when we read about many characters were talked about uh, in this uh, series, and uh, so one of the this verse which we read is from David. And uh, if you study the life of David, David messed up over and over again. Uh, but uh, God's grace and uh, mercy was with him. Why? He feared the Lord and he repented. That's what we just read in and this everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love, eternal past to eternal future love. In, in New King James Version, it says mercy. And there is a condition to it. If it look in, that's what it is talking about. You know, his amazing love and in this amazing grace. But here is the condition. The condition is on that we fear him, we love him, and we keep his commandment. And connecting back to Phil's question, are we weak? Sure. Are we are the dysfunctional in our marriage? Sure. But are we repent of our sins? He promises amazing love and amazing grace. But it is conditional. The condition on the fear on the fear him and we love him and we keep his commandment and then also to the question do we delight in our children because of who whose they are because of what they do or become it's definitely because of who whose they are but we sometimes think they're ours and really they're not ours we are we kind of we're given as they're given as a heritage as Phil just read and they're really God's. And so to raise them as God's arrows and not ours is the most critical thing. I feel like, um, you know, when, when the question was, how many times have I told you? That's so true. We, um, I've said that to my kids a lot. Um, my, uh, my father-in-law and I were very close before he passed away, so he'd tell me stories and everything. One thing he told me was that his parents got married um, his, when his mom was 13 and his dad was 16. Back in those days, that's the ages that they would get married. And I was just in shock. I was like, wow, that's so young. Um, I ha- that's like, you know, child marriage. It's so young. It's, and just I was just flabbergasted. And then my kids t- turned t- to be teenagers, and I understood why they, you might get them married off. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, okay, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah, I know, I'm just joking. I would have never married them off at that, at that young age. But it made me realize that sometimes when we say these things, right, we should always think about, um, you know, how we are dependent on God for grace through all of this. And when, when we go through uh, different situations, how we should delight in our children, uh, because that's what God promise, tells us to do. Um, another thing, when, when I heard the word delight, I, one, one of the things I re- realized recently 
from my own lessons in my own life was that I always, so we've, we've heard about love languages, right? And so my love language is acts of service. So if, if, you know, if, so what do I do? I, I do acts of service for my children. But what do I expect? That they do acts of service back to me. But what I realized as I grew older was their, their love language is very different. And sometimes I speak love through my love language instead of speaking love through their love language. And their love language changes, too, is, is what's interesting. When they were little, it's one thing. When, as they grew, their love language is different. Um, and so that's, I think, when we talk about delight, to really, you know, instead of um, speaking to them all the time in our love language, to speak to them in their love language sometimes has made more impact at least for our kids in our lives. Thanks, Eunice. Do, do more, do you? By the miracle of technology, Sean and Christy, you're connected with us. So, Sean and Christy, do you have comments on the question that we have before us? Do we delight in our children because of who they are or because of what they uh, do or become? One of the things that I wrote down was that's who they are. Um, rather than what they become, but I, I think the uh, not counterpoint, but the other part of that is at the same time as parents, it is our responsibility to push them to do their best. Um, so push them to become um, what God intended them to be. So we love them for who they are, but we do, as parents, push them to uh, be who God intended them to be. If that makes any sense. Thanks, Sean. If anybody else in the in the chapel wants to make a comment about this, about loving children for who they are, as opposed to what we hope they'll become, that kind of thing. I think that's easier said than done, isn't it? Uh, I wrote the question, so I should. <laughs> as Indian parents, we often push them perhaps beyond what we should have. And that's an understatement, I would think. Uh, but And I just think of us in relationship to our relationship with God when we think about that. I'm so thankful that God delights in us because of whose we are and not because of what we do. Because if it was because of what we do, uh, there's absolutely no way he could delight in us. He delights in us because of whose we are. We've been purchased by his son, and he sees us in his son. I know when we think about our children, we, uh, you know, we know that they're our children. We love them for who they are because they are our children. And yet so often it is, the, whether it's disappointment or disheartening or because of what they do. You, know, you, you see them making mistakes, and they have to learn from their own mistakes. And, from, and yet we, we get disappointed in that. And, uh, and that's why I said it's very hard to do in practice, but may the Lord give us grace to do that. And this, how many times have I told you? I don't remember the number of times, and I'm sure Joyce doesn't either. <laughs> uh, that's something that all parents do, I guess. But but uh, we thank the Lord for his grace toward us in that in our relationship to him is not based on what we do, but who, whose we are. So I just praise the Lord for that. We'll go on to our second question. And that is in the second group of questions. It says, how do we teach and demonstrate to our children our dependence on God? We do want the transition from dependence to independence as they grow. But how do we model 
that we never outgrow our dependence on God. Now, before I ask Sean and Christy to answer this question, I want you to know why Sean's not here today. Sean's got a broken bone in his foot. Uh, he broke the outside bone on the on his foot that uh, leads to his toe, so that's why they're not here, and Sean's going to have an operation on Monday. Sean, sure thank you for your willingness to participate with us, and Christy, God bless you as you have four children to take care of there at your house now. So uh, just again, this question, how do we demonstrate our dependence on God to our children? Sean or Christy? First, Phil, thanks. Thanks for that. Christy definitely needs more prayer than I do. I think uh, a lot of that is what you do as a family. I know one of the things Evan, Evan talked about in his message that kind of s- stuck with me was what his, his son said to him or wrote to him, uh, that it was, a, it was a lot of the behaviors, the things that he observed that were not necessarily um, things said, but things observed. Um, I've told my own parents the same thing. Um, it, it's behaviors. It's consistency. It's, it's things like that. So um, one thing I told my folks is, you know, one thing I never questioned growing up uh, was your absolute belief in what you believed, in your faith. Um, they, they lived it. It wasn't just uh, something that uh, they said, but it's what they did. Uh, so a, consistent, um, a consistency in prayer, a consistency in seeking God's guidance um, in every situation that you find yourselves in. And I think uh, one of the important things is to do that as a family, um, both uh, as, a, as a, a parent team, um, but also as, as a, a, an entire family unit that, that you do family devotions, that you pray as a family, um, and that you pray for situations that you find yourself in as a family. Thanks, Sean. Uh, Christy, would you like to contribute? Um, right along with what Sean said, I know a lot of times common saying is children will model what they see, and I clean a lot. My children haven't modeled that behavior yet, but... Um, <laughs> Just uh, like like what Sean was saying, um, modeling um, dependence on God. I can't parent on my own, and I can't do anything on my own. I need the Lord um, to help me with all of that. So, thanks, Christy. I'll pass it to Ab. You know the the question. Uh, reflecting back, the question: How do we teach and demonstrate uh, dependence of God? You know, let me uh, give an uh, an example in our family life, you know, the children are very good about reading body language, and they're very good at it, and uh, when I get anger or agitated, uh, they can see in my face very well, you know, they see my voice changes, they see my nose flare, you know, they see, <laughs> they see, they see my lot of things, you know, which, uh, but when the most important thing which I, which we practice or practice is when I get angry at them, and I don't ponder about that anger situation too much with them, I transition quickly, showing love, and moving on to a different, different, different thing. So if maybe in the first uh, two minutes, I'll be mad at them. I'll be consistently this, this, this. And within the fifth minute, you know, I'll show him love and hold him and say, hey, I love you, man. And, and then we move on. So pondering, not, that's one thing which I want to get out, is pondering too much about the anger instead of transitioning quickly to the love help us uh, in, our, in our life. 
Um, when when Phil was speaking on this subject, actually, he talked about dependence on the divine is like branches to the vine. And I, that really touched me and touched my heart because the faster we graft our children to the divine branch, the faster they'll become like them and learn to be dependent on that branch, uh, on, the, on the great branch. Um, and I think when it comes to dependence, you know, we definitely model. Um, many of you guys know that in, I struggled um, to complete my Ph.D., um, there were le- a lot of lessons learned spiritually for me. I think God purposely put me through that so that those lessons could be learned. Um, and the biggest learn- lesson I learned was um, dependence. I-, I always say it was like PhD, the D was for dependence for me because I had to learn how to depend on God um, through that process. And so one thing that we did with our children was I was very open with them about my pride in the whole issue, and how that pride um, got in the way of what God wanted me to learn. And when, when I humbled myself enough where God said, um, where, I, where I asked God for help and God f- for dependence, that's when I got help. And so to give those examples to them as they... Um, now my now my that's, it's that's inadequate. <laughs> but modeling that to them, right? Modeling saying that this is how you depend. Our hope is that those words will also fester in their heart, and that they will learn that dependence as well. Um, and the verse that kind of goes with that, um, you know, when we really should, the faster we t- uh, take our children to that divine branch, the faster. Um, they'll learn that dependence on their own because just by hearing our stories doesn't make them dependent on God. They have to learn, they have to, like you said about arrows that need to fly, only when an arrow flies does it know if it's crooked or not. And there is a part of that refinishing by God to make you perfect for him. And so the faster that we go through that, the faster it, it happens. In Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, grafting them to the divine branch. Thanks, Eunice. Just to give you all some insight, uh, as we would pray with Eunice and A.B. during that time of her, honestly, her burden was, I'm afraid that I'm making my struggle, my children's struggle, (laughs) As I go through this, I, she didn't want to do that, but she did want to make herself open to the fact that she was having a struggle, but she didn't want that to burden her children. That was probably the greatest concern that Eunice had. Other thoughts on this from the folks that are here about how do we show dependence? I'm just thinking about the when Barb and I uh, started having children, in that, and we knew that they were a gift from God. We only had them for 18 years or so. I have to be careful what I say because my oldest one's behind me. <laughs> we uh, strive to show our dependence upon God. I'm so thankful for Barb. As I traveled a lot, and Barb was there with the kids, raising them. And in the evening, we would always talk about things, about a phone call every evening about different things of the day with the children when I was away and then when I came home. It was always a transition. But uh, we tried to let them find their own way to God, their own way to Christ. 
so that they can claim their own dependence has been said who God, who Christ is in their own personal lives. And uh, we're thankful today that we see that in our children. But it's just, it was a struggle. I think many tears, prayers, and that, and like Abby said about, yeah, I would get upset with the children, but maybe a little disappointed, but I always come back to love them. Always come back. Love them for who they are. You have to accept your children for who they are if you want to change them or strive or point them more toward God or following Christ's life. And hopefully, in the long run, they'll make that decision, as we see. They have to discover their own dependence upon God as their, or Christ as their rock in their lives. They have to strive. And all we do is try to guide them. They make them say, as we start from being very, and they're young, very much into their lives to very, and they get older in their teen years, and that is to be in their friend going into, so as they make this decision, we're there to help catch them or support them when they make bad decisions or whatever. But hopefully through all that, they gain their own dependence upon God and Christ, and they make Christ their own in their own lives. Thanks, Bill, very much. Let's go on to another question. We won't get through them. Uh, we have just about 10 minutes left. Uh, this would be from Evan's thoughts about the first family. And the first question uh, talks about the fact that there was Cain and Abel. Both were exposed to the same upbringing by the same parents without any influence on them from other cultures, from other homes, from other kids, from schools. Yet one accepted the directions of the Lord and the other rejected the directions from the Lord. One had faith in God, the other did not have faith in God. What does this tell us about the children God gives to us and what we must anticipate as parents in these children? A.B., I'm going to pass this on to you. You know, after Evan finished his message, uh, or early, early when he was talking about one of the things Evan said was, no children are perfect. And uh, after the message, when he came out and I said, no parents are perfect. In, the, in this context about the cane, right, uh, we don't know about where the parents are. We don't know whether, uh, where, whether Adam and Eve could have a good relationship with their children, they, whether they openly talked and solved problems or solved issues. Um, Genesis chapter 46, chapter 4, verse 7 says, Why are you angry? asked the Lord to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. Here, Lord is acting as a parent. Cain did not discuss this anger issue with their parents or anybody else. Bible does not talk about this. He did not have an outlet to, uh, outlet to calm his anger. You know, in this world, we leave, we see that many children inter- internalizes issues and don't communicate uh, with the parents or elders or others. Internal internalizing issues can have very big challenges. Communication is one of the most important tool we can use to raise our children well. Other than, plus, and we talk about in you know, a fear of the Lord, repenting praying, 
and communication help us to raise the children well. Sean or Christy, uh, would you like to contribute on this answer? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what Amy's talking about. What do you mean there's no perfect parents? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, actually, I, one of the things I was talking to my dad about, it's funny that um, when I talk to my dad, the, the more I get involved in this whole parenthood thing, uh, and I've got, I've got one 10-year-old, so I'm, I'm fairly involved, but um, I learn something new every day, and one of the things I learned very early on, and it just continues to be reinforced, is how little control uh, I actually have uh, over these individual souls. I mean, uh, one of the things I wrote down here is um, salvation is not guaranteed for your children. One of the things that I think is incredibly important as parents, uh, and I, I, again, I, I realize it more and more every day, is we just need to be on our knees constantly uh, for our children because there is so much uh, in this world that is there designed to, to, to distract them and take them away. Um, from that focus, and, and, and I think the more we try to control, I mean truly control in, in almost the dictatorial sense, that I think the more we, we may push them away. And so a lot of that is, is um, we have to rely on God uh, in these situations. But I think what, what one of the things I took away from this uh, Evan's message is um, that children have free will just like we do, and they can and may choose not to accept it. And so it, we need to teach, we need to guide, we need to direct, but we also need to pray. Thanks, Sean. Let's get our last question here. Uh, we'll take it here in this way. It's uh, somewhat related uh, to what we just read in the last question. This is from Abe's messages on, uh, quote, bad children. <laughs> uh, Children who seem, for children who seem spiritually insensitive, do we as parents need to examine our own lives to see if we are modeling spiritual sensitivity? Really challenging question. Uh, for kids who don't seem to be responsive to the message, the question is, what are they seeing in us? And so uh, I'll give the Fullens a chance to answer this one. So, Sean or Christy? A lot of this kind of goes back to some of the things that we've already talked about um, and, and the fact that children do model um, behaviors that they see, uh, or at least they observe behaviors probably more closely than they observe what you say. Because if what you say and what you do doesn't match, um, then it's not going to be as real or as as important uh, to them. And, and to be fair, they still, even if they see that it matches, they may not follow that. But, um, you know, I think it is important that we, we look to see if we are being a good example to our children uh, in what we, and what we do. Thanks, Sean. Passing the microphone to A.B. So the, the question about um, um, examining our own lives. Uh, this is a very interesting. Um, so recently, you know, last uh, two last week, it was fall break for our boys, and we decided to go to Columbus. Uh, it's as uh, Abe said in his message yesterday. I mean, last week it's a very boring drive, you know, to Columbus, and we were coming back, and we had a good time coming back, and, and we had dinner together, and 
And there were a few things we asked, uh, especially I was to ask Joel to take care of, you know, and uh, he's dragging and dragging. And he just came into the house and I bring that same topic again. And uh, he just flipped, Daddy, I just came home. You're yelling at me. It really broke my heart when he said that way. You know, then I walked away and I I ponder about man. Why I did that? Why I was yelling at him? You know, or or arguing with him, you know? Then more I reflect myself or examine myself. It was nothing to do with he didn't do that things, which we said. It was all about I had a rough day and uh, I was... There are a couple of milestones needs to be accomplished. It didn't happen. I'm agitated with everybody inside our house. And then I know, and we sat together. Um, no, we, we had a family prayer and we moved on. And before he goes to be, go to bed, I went to his room and I gave him a tight hug. And I said, man, I, I love you so much. I'm glad you are here. You know, sometimes examining ourselves and reflecting back and having the courage to say sorry, it's a very important thing. And they are watching us and how they handle it. I tell you, my, if I say my dad never says sorry, that was his way of, but he was one of the best dad, you know, not putting him down at all. That's what his culture was, you know, the way he was raised. In this era, if you don't show our, our thoughtfulness to them and acknowledge them, it will be tough. You know, First, we have to offer our heart to the Lord. Only then we can teach the love of Christ. Thanks, E.B., so very much. We're going to conclude our time. It's been so wonderful, the sharing that's taken place. I encourage us, small groups are starting, and this may be a real good topic for us to continue to talk about in the small groups that we have, gathering together and thinking about these things that we've been discussing today. I do want to say for A.B. and Eunice, I don't see how you got to the beach ever with all of the notes you had on these questions. I mean, it's just... Unbelievable how much work you did. Thank you so much. Sean and Christy, thanks so much for joining us on the phone. And uh, sorry the internet didn't work out, but with the technology we have, we've been able to connect. Let's close in a word of prayer, please. Father, just how precious and how special our children are and how precious and how special it is for us to share with one another just some considerations in having these children and how we conduct ourselves. Thank you for what was shared just now about evaluating, uh, looking at ourselves and how we conduct ourselves and that our children are watching. So, dear Lord, we thank you for this time of sharing and learning together, discussing together, and just ask your blessing upon all of the homes that are here today all of the children and all the grandchildren. We commit this to you. Give us a safe trip. It looks like the weather may have improved, but give us a safe trip home, Lord, 
in this uh, rainy day. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.